a topic that affects all of us mere mortals. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, and these are the book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality. If that's possible, we're going to learn today in this book, Mortality by Christopher Hitchens. Now, I'm going to do this slightly differently. I want to do this in a bit more of a free-flowing, free-form, so there's not going to be any cuts if possible, maybe one or two if I do something really stupid. But I just want to try something new. I'm outdoors, I'm enjoying it out here, and let's just jump into it. So this book was published in 2012, and it's a about 100 pages in length. This does include a foreword by his friend Graydon Carter, I believe it is, and an afterword by his wife. So essentially, it's a somewhat meandering brief reflection on dying. So Christopher Hitchens was diagnosed with esophageal cancer at the age of, I think it was around 62-ish, Uh, And he was not given a certain amount of time left. What is known as that esophageal cancer is, well, cancer, and it's a pretty bad one. So the mortality rate of it, I think, was like 20%, as in um, 20% of people are going to survive. So mortality rate of 80%, I guess. And he was talking about how this battled him, essentially. So he learned of this, and then his body started betraying him, and he started feeling you know, woozy, sick, and had to go through, obviously, the chemotherapy because he wanted to to live and survive and do more things. And so, it's not on death itself, this book, but the process of dying. So, what it is to be immortal and to feel mortality. So, while you're being alive and going onwards. So, he doesn't really talk about the afterlife of what's next, of his relation with him and, you know, deathness and things like that. No, it's more about, okay, this is the process of your body falling apart, how it feels to be a human in these cases. And it's almost a comparison between his life before when he was, you know, top of the world, everything's going great. He says in the book that this came at the time where, you know, I most I imagine most people who get cancer say this where they were everything was lining up into the place, all the things were, you know, all the I's were dotted, all the T's crossed, their life was going to go smoothly from then on. And then, you know, he gets the the notification of cancer and whatnot. So he goes in and out of uh, hospital quite a lot. It's a lot of bit uh, about his body deteriorating. So he is talking talking about how his body is falling apart, essentially. Obviously, he loses his hair due to the chemo, but all of these other small, nasty things that you don't really think about, that you take for granted in everyday life. And as well as, I suppose, the public perception and reaction to his news. So, Christopher Hitchens, as an author, was pretty prolific. Man, he was everywhere. So, he uh, was a writer and orator on all topics, on topics, but particularly r- religion and politics. So he did this through book reviews. He did this through debates. He was uh, many, many wrote many books himself. He published in magazines. I think it was for Vogue. He was a, a writer for a long time, but also did things for Slate and whatnot. And his cancer process lasted for a year and a half, roughly. So this was in, I think it was. June 2010 that he was notified and then he died in the end of 2011. So a very sad story all up and uh, yeah, I guess we'll get into the, the main theme which is mortality. So the state of being susceptible to death and well... What, what more do you need to say on that? That is the pretty much literal definition of mortality. So realizing, I guess, that, hey, death is an actual thing and realizing that, oh, I'm susceptible to it. So me as a 29-year-old, you know, 
pretty much in the peak of my fitness and health. It's not something I contemplate a lot. Uh, I do sometimes, but yeah, this isn't about me anyway. So let's get on to Hitch's thoughts. So for him, it was only snapshots. It was no real overall philosophy. So he didn't equate this to being, you know, one of the profound books on on uh, on mortality, on death and life and whatnot. No, these are more just his, his observations, jotting them down on a page. I think almost a imagine like a journal reflection for yourself if you're undergoing through a big change in your life. I think this is somewhat in the style that this book was written. So it was recognition of being a body and not having one. So this was, I thought, pretty interesting. I think we all kind of take for granted that our bodies are part of us in a way, but it's almost like my mind's up here and, and, you know, the body does things and there's this sort of difference between the two there is the the mind and then this body but he's saying in that case you'd think it's like the mind owns the body but then you realize you're being a body so his thoughts were connected to how well his health was so as his health deteriorated so did his thoughts he couldn't write as much he couldn't be as eloquent um, when he wanted to speak for example there was periods where his voice would go really high and really low and then he wouldn't be able to speak and this was you know a huge blow for him because he was a debater if you go online onto youtube you'll see he has this deep gravelly voice and he's talking in all of these uh debates and it's it's quite magical i guess you'd say he just has a really nice voice you can imagine him being a voice actor and and things like that and i don't know cartoons or movies or whatnot so it's really interesting being on that he has a a bit of a section on niche for example or niche so if you go to page 55 in the book he talks about the niche quote that uh, was whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger and he sort of believes this up until a point so uh, if I go, uh, can't be page 55, must be something else. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. So, page 56, 7. Um, he talks about how this isn't true, why he thinks Nietzsche was, or Nietzsche was, was not super correct on this because he essentially came to the point where the body was, uh, the cancer was destroying him and it was really examining, okay, that quote, for example, is that actually true? Is everything that happens to a person necessarily going to make them stronger if it doesn't kill them and so he cites examples of illness that was so bad that death is better so that's one of the things that that happens in it and it's almost like uh, he comes to a conclusion where it's controlled um, susceptibility I guess in a way so yes it's okay to you know, uh, want to push yourself hard or to have hard things happen to you so that you can prove yourself of worth. But it's almost like they need to be controlled in a way because when you have it, these totally uncontrolled ones where, oh, geez, I'm going to literally die, my hair's falling apart, you know, I'm in such extreme agony, pain, excruciation that I can't see how this is helping me any better. And he even talks, there is a story about a, a guy who goes through this whole process he asks the doctors to kill him essentially to to put the drugs in that'll end his life and they say no nah, you'll thank us later after you get through this and survive he does manage to survive but then he's examining that whole process and he thinks man even right now i'm not sure that was the right choice like yes i'm glad to be alive but i think it still would have been better if i died at the point where i'd asked to die because he did have to undergo that other extreme excruciating point and then there was all the other questions okay this could happen again this could uh, rear its head again and then I have to deal me and my family have to deal with this all over again and things like that so uh, 
you know, neutral sort of becomes bad in a way. So he still had good, uh, but neutral parts of the day seem to disappear. So this is where I would say that that's also that tipping point of what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And he looks at his day and all the neutral things that you'd take in a day. So, you know, maybe this is an exciting moment for me now because I'm speaking to the camera. There's a little bit of pressure to continually speak and not make too many ums and ers and likes and all those things and and whatnot. But what about the neutral part of the day, which was me going from my car, which is just parked over there and setting up the camera? What about the writing of the notes for, for this book review, for example, was all of those things that I consider neutral. He says, no, yeah, they sort of become bad now. So that's where your hands scribbling so much that you can't take proper notes. That's where you're fumbling around and you feel so ill that you have to constantly, you know, take a seat and, and recover. That's where you can't walk from a straight line. That's where you can't drive. That's where you can't do all of these things. And so all of these points where you'd say, you know, is driving a car really a good thing or a bad thing? For me, it's a neutral thing. If not getting slightly lower than that, I don't really dri- like driving. But imagine all of the things that were neutral in your day, just let's say, your worst experience ever is a negative 10, your most positive experience is a 10 and neutral is zero. It sounded like he was saying everything that used to be a zero would drop down to a at least a negative three, if not a negative five or something. So then you go, oh, okay, that's pretty rough. I'm not sure that is a good thing. And then this is, once again, does that, uh, it doesn't kill me, but does it make me stronger? Did it make things better for me in any shape, sort of way for the future? And Hitchens was saying, no essentially no this was uh all bad and so what else happened well there was the snickering of the uh, eternal footman so this is where he was saying those tiny little details that you take for granted being able to walk being able to use your voice to speak the snickering of the footman and this footman in this case is death his own mortality is those constant little jabs day in and day out so he could take i think it seemed to be the really bad parts where he had to go to hospital where he learned of you know the scans and the cancer and all these things and the chemotherapy but it was all the small parts afterwards that you take for granted which just beat him down that were like the snickering of the eternal footman this was where neutral things becoming bad Uh, so yeah giving blood with crushed veins was another one where he goes into detail how he used to be able to just give blood pretty much straight away they'd put a tourniquet on find the vein stick it in and then it was getting to the point where he was trying to give blood and they would have to go in 12 13 more times spend hours just trying to find a vein to be able to get this necessary blood sample or whatever it was and something that used to not bother him at all just became this like goddamn whole process of just meandering malingering awful evil stuff so he um he has this, I suppose, reflection of mortality that, man, when you're going through these things yourself, no, this process not is not necessarily a good thing. You can't really look at that and say, hey, this was a good thing for me for overall, for my life, for my family. Maybe some cancer survivors can find that, but him personally, that's that's not what he gained from this. So my personal observations and takeaways from the books. Uh, he really didn't answer one of the main questions which I thought would have been in it was, was the drinking and smoking worth it? So he was renowned as a, uh, I suppose, a glutton of sorts. He was a hedonistic. He loved good wine. He loved good company. He loved good parties. He loved all of these things. And 
you know, he, there's a couple of funny bits where people are saying, or um, especially because he was quite against religion, and so he was a, one of the four horsemen, uh, four horsemen of the atheist, whatever it is, and he was saying, um, essentially, you know, all these arguments against religion, and then when he got diagnosed with cancer, the, the religious people were coming out and saying, like, oh, hey, isn't it uh, so, uh, you know, ironic in a way that he has uh, got struck down with his cancer for blaspheming of the throat, the one thing he used to blaspheme and stuff like that. And so he has a couple of funny bits where he's saying, well, you know, I used other organs to blaspheme as well. Um, hink, hint, wink, wink, looking at his uh, crotch there. Uh, but also that, you know, he smoke like crazy. And so... Would you sort of expect that from a person who smokes like crazy? Yes, you would expect cancer of the throat. So uh, I thought in the book he would maybe answer, maybe, you know, was that worth it? A reflection of his own life, knowing full well he wasn't a dumbass. He was a he was a smart dude. He knew that smoking and, and drinking and this sort of lifestyle could and probably would lead to something like this. He didn't answer that question. Um, and so he died at the age of 62. You imagine he would have lived uh, another 20 years, the average age that men died as, I think, 81, 82, 83, something like that. So those 20 years of life he missed out on, was it worth it um, for, I guess, let's just say the 40 years of, uh, of partying that came before that? I would have liked to know that. Uh, it wasn't in, in the book. So if you're expecting that, uh, don't don't expect it. <laughs> Another one was the undertone of longing for, for more life, uh, but it wasn't of lament. So I think reasonably you would expect anyone who's on their deathbed would probably want more life because, hey, life is pretty good in most cases. Uh, you get to experience all these good things and, you know, it's a, almost the tragedy of life that there is. It does have to end in a way. Uh, but he, he wasn't lamenting it. So he, I didn't get the feel that he was really self-pitying himself in this book, but it was a sad book as well. You're not going to go through it reading about death and someone dying of cancer and think, oh man, this is a, a real nice fun book to read. No, it's 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 rather sad and uh, he does have some nice thoughts in it, but as an as a whole, the undertone was was definitely of of a sad thing going on, but he wasn't lamenting, I, I should put it that way. No, no super self-pity in it. Uh, I think that I agreed overall that his general philosophy that bad is bad. So there was uh, things that are just pointless, that are obvious and unjustified. So cancer, I would say, is is right up there. I'm I'm really not sure that that niche quote of whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger is that true. It's uh, for some certain things. Maybe you could expand that with a caveat that if I can control it. Uh, you know, if I can get through this marathon run, if I can do a 96-kilometer hike like Juan did recently, if I can overcome this obstacle that's in my way, uh, I'll be better for it. So, And even though it'll cause me pain to do it, yes, it's, it's a good thing. Um, so, yes, I can agree with that, but there are certainly for me lots of points where there's just bad things and it's unequivocal. It's a bad thing. It, the world would be better off if this didn't happen. So uh, I agree with that. Uh, he's bloody crazy as well. He talks in this book about how he uh, underwent uh, waterboarding. Uh, so <laughs> he, he did that for a, a story um, and he does all sorts of crazy things for stories uh, stories that he wrote about as well. So gave a little bit of an insight into him as a character. I thought that was pretty cool. And I think uh, the overall takeaway that I took from this is that suffering, striving must be absolutely required Um 
but it needs to be linked to a higher purpose. So, yes, you're going to have to suffer and strive in this life of ours. There's no point trying to eliminate all bad things in life, but I think you do need to have a, a link to a higher purpose of some sort. And, you know, it's kind of hard to find that with cancer. It's really hard to look at that and say, yeah, this is definitely going to improve me in some sort of way for the future. So, in summary, um, I think it's a, a quick farewell to those of us that remain. So, it was a, a nice little inf- insight into to his life. Uh, he seemed like a crazy cool guy who did what he loved. Uh, a small s- snapshot of the horrors uh, that cancer can bring to all and a reminder for all, all of us that we are indeed mere mortals. So, that is the book Mortality by Christopher Hitchens. You know, it's a short book. It was quick. Uh, it was rather sad, so it's not something I really want to return to in the future, but a reminder that this can happen to all of us and that, uh, you know, sad things and bad things do happen in the world. So that is it for today, my Mere Mortalites. Thank you for joining me on this book about mortality. The Mere Mortals, we're talking about mortality, what could be more perfect combined in this world. Uh what do you think of mortality? Uh, I would love to know that. We don't really talk about it too much considering we are the mere mortals. I think uh, maybe that's something Juan and I should probably do a little bit more. But uh, hey, in any case, uh, I did enjoy reading this book, if just for that reminder. But is it something I'm going to go back to again? Probably not. If you can do all the nice things, like, subscribe, comment, uh, really does help me and the channel. And I just like hearing your opinions in general. And so that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed this longer, maybe a bit more ums and ers and likes and stumbling over words. But hey, let's try something new. So that's it for today. Current out.